Hey everyone, uh, this podcast is coming out a little later than we had originally planned. We recorded this on the Monday after Midsummer Scream and planned to release it a couple days after that, so it would come out before Scarlet. So you'll hear some things like, oh, next weekend at Scarlet, or things along those lines. Um, we had some things happening, which is why this is late. Uh, and I'm going to pass this over to Russell right now. Things happening? Really? Hey. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, well, yes. Uh, our intention uh, was to originally release this right after Midsummer Scream. And it just so happened as we were recording this, I wasn't feeling my best. And that sort of escalated from what I thought was mild food poisoning into a really, really bad day, which may have later involved, oh, I don't know, an ambulance mic and a trip to the ER, and there might have been some time in a hospital. So editing the podcast kind of got shoved back a few days. Talk about an immersive, extreme experience. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Uh, for the record, everything is fine. Uh, everything turned out okay. It was just a situation that needed to be taken care of. And um, that that's kind of all I want to say about it. Yeah. So... Here's the podcast as originally recorded. Um, like I said, it's a, about a week late at this point. But So any references where we say, this just happened a couple days ago yeah. or on Saturday or this past Saturday, it references the Midsummer Scream convention. Sometimes life gets in the way and life is way more important than any sort of podcast or things like that. So remember that. Yeah. All right. Let's do the squeaky door and go. Welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. And Russell, this is a Monday that we're recording and we're pretty exhausted. Yeah, but, I think you can probably hear that in our voices yeah. as we're talking. <laughs> Um, but the reason we're exhausted is because Midsummer Scream was this past weekend on Saturday and Sunday. So this is the Midsummer Scream Monday Spectacular. Okay. It's kind of alliteration, right? MSMS. MS. All right. All right. I'll go. I'll let you have that one. Maybe it can be presented by Microsoft next year. Oh. Microsoft's Midsummer Scream Monday special. Oh. So what would Clippy have to say about this? Who? Oh, never mind. <laughs> That was mean. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Clippy is a little paper clip that used to dance oh, around. Oh, that guy. I always turn that off. Yeah, yeah. so did I. <laughs> I didn't want to make friends with him. Uh, okay, wow. Uh, we're, we're exhausted and digressing already. Uh, yes, Mike and I attended Midsummer Scream this past weekend at the Long Beach Convention. Oh, wow. Yep. The Long Beach Convention Center. This is going to be one of those podcasts. <laughs> Yes, it is. Um, and we fit a whole bunch of stuff in. That's what she uh, said. <laughs> <laughs> yep. One of those. All right. Um, I'd like to apologize in advance we're, for this podcast. We're not even two minutes in. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. Can't wait. <laughs> All right. Uh, Midsummer Scream. For those of you not in the immediate area, Midsummer Scream is a two-day uh, convention covering any and all things Halloween, 
haunt, horror-related in all sorts of categories and genres. Uh, It is a gathering of everything from vendors to haunts to speakers to instructors to live shows, uh, live events, immersive events were going on, interacting with the crowds, uh, cosplay. There were makeup people going around uh, creating amazing masterpieces of makeup that wandered through the crowds for both days. Uh, It is literally a celebration of Halloween and anything related to that subject. And it was a blast. Yeah, and and on top of all that, you forgot to mention the most important part, at least for me. I'm tired, so tell me what that was. (laughs) Seeing every one of your friends there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. getting to see people you haven't seen in a while, getting to meet new people that are into it. Um, You know, like, I mean, we had a couple people come up to us and be like, hey, like... We like your podcast. And it's like, that's so cool. Yeah, that's so awesome. We do appreciate it. And you're right. Uh, you know me, Mike. I, I, I am a hugger. So I, there were so many hugs this weekend from people I haven't seen in for so long, for like friends I haven't seen in a week, <laughs> to yeah. friends I haven't seen in literally probably since last year's Midsummer Scream. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that's that's exactly what I'm getting at. It's like sometimes, you know, life gets in the way and, you know, you don't see people as much as you want to. And it's like everybody is here. It's like, oh. Yes. Hello. <laughs> How have you been? <laughs> Let's catch up. Yeah, it uh, it was a great weekend. It was really, really fun. So, uh, how are we going to tackle this, Mike? I have no idea. Well... Uh, let's begin. Uh, also, I want to say that we are not going to give the link information out uh, for two reasons. One, because we did a ton of things, um, and it would be like every couple minutes, we're like, go to them on the web and Facebook and Instagram. Um, and also, we're recording this so quickly, we didn't have time to gather them. So all of the links will be in the show notes. Um, so yeah, just wanted to put that out there first if you don't hear information. Well, what were you doing on Saturday? we were doing basically the same stuff so <laughs> <In> different order <laughs> um but i mean i mean we started with trying to knock out a bunch of the hall of shadows before it got too crowded because boy it got crowded it got very crowded uh the hall of shadows is the area of midsummer scream where haunts come in and they build little mini versions of their haunts which kind of give you a taste a flavor of what they're planning on doing for the fall season and there were several of those that we managed to hit before the crowd swarmed them completely uh our first stop was mabel of course we had to see our girl yeah well, our, our girls i guess <laughs> carolyn and mabel so uh yeah they had a little bit uh a, a little mini haunt which certainly gave you the 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 flavor of their playfulness, I mm-hmm. felt. And it's it was really funny because after you go through it, you know, you know, you, like, you know, if you get gone to Motel Six Feet Under before, you know, like, one of the best parts about it is an actual maze. Mm-hmm. And this is what they had. They had a little bit of the maze. But even walking through it, it's like, wh- how did I get lost? Yes. Like, it's, it's <laughs> how is this happening? How do they keep doing this to yeah, us? I'm in a 20 by 20 square foot square, and I just got lost. How do they do that to me? Yeah. Um, I was a little upset, though, because because we did go first thing. I never got to see Mabel or yeah. or Bones or anyone's, but yeah. you know that'll make October that much sweeter. Yeah, I, I went back later in the day and I did I did like wave because <laughs> they were hanging out. But oh, I, awesome! I did wave, but uh, yeah, yeah, their line was always so long. Yeah, absolutely. And congrats to them for that. 
Yeah, I think Mabel Six Feet Under, uh, their reputation has grown out of love. So, but like everyone we know just loves their haunt. In the last couple of years, they've grown so much, and, and I think the, I think their reputation preceded them to Midsummer Scream a bit. Definitely. So yeah. So and other th- other stuff that we did, uh, we did Hyde Street. Yeah, that was awesome, and that's it, and of course that's awesome because uh, the Bloodshed Brothers did that. Right, and he- and here's the thing about Hyde Street was. Of all of the mini mazes, of all of the little haunts in in the Hall of Shadows this year, I thought they were the ones who made the best use of targeted jump scare. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I was behind you. You know they got me. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, and it was was a complete misdirect. It was complete. It was just one of those like, oh, my God, I cannot believe I fell for that. You know, it it was great. I really enjoyed the fact that I got to meet a couple of their characters. And, yeah, very, very enjoyable. But the the best thing about this for me was that first room. It was so old school Halloween, like all the old decorations and the blow molds. And it was like all just like orange and black. And it was everything that you would picture someone that's into Halloween, like decorating. Uh, It was oh, it was it was beautiful. Like I wanted to live in that room. (laughs) They did a really nice job. And right after that, we went to Phobia Productions uh, with Grimm's Hollow. And the one thing I, I, I loved about Phobia Productions, Mike, I don't know how you feel about their production design for such, it, it, it's weird to put haunts on the spot like this because like, here, create a mini haunt that represents everything that you do in 20 feet or less. Right. It's really a tough challenge. Um, I thought there's scares, uh, like we saw the scares coming inside Phobia, Grimm's Hollow. But the one thing I loved about that is their production design was was really like, you got the mood and the feel of that sort of yardish like the overgrown outside yeah you're outside like they did a really nice job with that that was they were another fun one definitely and we also went to the haunted rose Mm -hmm. which uh mike you and i uh for the first time i believe for both of us went last year to the haunted rose home Mm -hmm. haunt yep it's a home haunt in down the street for me and we both loved it last year and they presented the maritime horror which um you know I like puns. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you have a fondness for puns as well. I hate those things. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, the maritime horror would, was... Would you say you're a punnolinguist? Oh. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> Told you. One of those podcasts. <laughs> the um, the maritime horror uh, by the Haunted Rose w- sort of gave you the, the history that you were going to the town of Innsmouth. Mm-hmm. which is um, um, H.P. Lovecraft-ish reference. And the characters had such great puns inside that haunt. And I just want to, I, I don't want to spoil them I, in case they're part of the home haunt this year. But uh, yeah, they were making like fishing puns and uh, like uh, fishing, I don't know how you describe it, but uh, like sea puns. And there was some really, really nice makeup effects in there as mm-hmm. well, which is what we loved about the home haunt last year is both the set and the makeup design here at Midsummer Scream and definitely for their home haunt. Uh, it's just such a unique vision. Well, I went back to do this one on Sunday with Dawson oh, because cool. he hadn't done it. And the person that was in charge of the line gave a backstory to the to everything Mm -hmm. and when we first went on saturday we didn't get that but hearing the backstory was so cool because that haunt is based on an hp lovecraft tale Mm 
Mm-hmm. And it's based like all the characters are very like Lovecraftian and stuff. And he was right. going through like all this like backstory. And I was like, this makes this experience that much more. Oh, that's interesting. Because, yeah, we were part of we were at the head of a fairly quickly growing line. So I think we got a very shortened version of that on Saturday. Yeah. So Yeah, that's um, the Haunted Rose is definitely a, um, a, a haunt that, you know, everyone in the Los Angeles area should make an effort to get to. Definitely. Even though it's outside of Los Angeles, we know <laughs> how L.A. people hate to leave L.A. But seriously, <laughs> come to Whittier, go to that haunt, hang out with me. Yeah, you will not be disappointed. In that order. Or so. s- switch the last two. I don't know. We can go together. Let's plan it. That maybe we can do a contest. We'll pay your gas money to go to the Haunted Rose in Whittier. <laughs> so I'd be willing to do that. They're worth it. Yeah. So, uh, where did we go from there? Uh, from there, we went to Unhallowed. Right. And theirs was called The Last of Man. And you can probably guess that might have had a post-apocalyptic vibe. Yeah, I might say that. So what did you think of this one? I liked it. Yeah. Like, it was it was a good mix of of jump scares and actors and makeup and just um environment. Like it all worked. Yeah, I think you hit the keyword for me, environment. Like like the whole post oh wow. Post apocalyptic feel was really, really cool in that one. Yeah, and then after that we met up with Omar and Jason. Uh they were in town from Vegas to represent Heretic and going to the cabin show offs. Um and we went and did Gorlesque. This was interesting. Yeah, because we did the 18 and over show because there was, I guess, there were three different versions of the show. And one of them is 18 and over and it only happened like once every, you know, however many minutes or so. But we waited for that one. And that was interesting. Uh, It had a sexy vibe. Uh, There was definitely some adult content. That is for sure. Um, their, their kind of slogan is where sexy meets scary. And it was sort of a, you I guess you can tell by the name Gorlesque <laughs> that it's sort of a burlesque show with horror overtones and it lived up to that. Yeah. If you like your burlesque with a very dark, dark, dark side, I think Gorlesque is something you should pay attention to. Yeah. And the cool thing about this too, is it wasn't just burlesque. There was also a video component that added to it. So it was almost like subliminal messaging in a way. Yeah. I, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm glad you put it that way. Yeah. There was a, uh, we watched uh, some things appear on a screen and then there was a live performance in front of it, which, which added to that. Um, definitely enjoyable. And uh, that was another one that all weekend long, I kept noticing they had definitely large crowds forming for the Gorlesque shows as well. So yeah, that was interesting. It'll be Fun to see what they do for October this year. Right. Uh, I'm really curious to see where they go. Yeah, me too. Uh, after that, we went and checked out Abysma by the Flesh Yard. And this one, I was a little bit confused about. <laughs> I'm going to add to your confusion, Mike, but why don't you start? Well, and I don't know if this is just because we went early in the day, but there were no actors inside. You were just walking through a set. A spaceship decorated with movie posters. Yeah. It, it was odd, which, hey, by the way, the sets themselves. Oh, really well done. Oh, absolutely. Definitely well done. 
Um, and the reason I said I was going to add some confusion is I stopped by the next day on Sunday and I asked the woman uh, working the line, I said, uh, I, I just have a quick question. I said, yesterday we were the first ones here and we went through this very, very early and there were no actors in place. I said, did we did we miss the show? It's like, uh, I, I see you putting people through now. Are there actors inside? And she said, no, there's no actors. Oh, weird. So it might be just, uh, and I will say this, like, I, like we just mentioned, I mean, the rooms were very nicely done. Mm-hmm. It's like the sets were really, really well but done. But there is so much opportunity that was the thing it's like man if you put a few actors in there to and let them play that could have been so much fun like that last room yeah <laughs> but the uh yeah it, it was it was a very nice presentation i just think we were expecting uh, an interactive haunt experience of some kind and it was just a very decorative set so um but still nicely done so mike uh i i think that's all we did together on that first morning and then the crowd started coming in and we started moved on to the floor but uh i had a couple hours in the middle of the day sunday uh when we were exploring different stuff i went back into the hall of shadows and i was able to catch up on something that hadn't opened when we were there and that is the dead zone 805 yes because i did that on sunday too i did what the is... same thing as you oh okay because <laughs> i was like we need i to really get wanted from... to see it yeah i did too but what did you think for what it was it was pretty fun yeah, You know, even it was very, it was the shortest thing. It was about a minute long, but if this is a te- if this is considered like a teaser or a commercial of what they have, I want to do it based on right. that. Now, and also, um, Dead Zone 805 does have a reputation, a good reputation of being a fine haunt. And I had not, ne- I've not had the chance to go see them. So I was really curious about this and you're right. It's just like they... It's funny because, you know, what do you do when you're in this situation where you have to present sort of a mini haunt? Well, this wasn't a haunt. This was for their mobile escape room. All right, exactly. And so what they did is they chose to just present a moment, a really effective, really Really effective. (laughs) Like, so they just like, literally, it's like, okay, you want to see something cool? Come here, step inside this. And like, they set it up as if it's going to be a haunt sort of with a little video clip and a little information and they say oh yeah well guess what and then they give you a really effective scare mm-hmm. and i just thought it was like and it was like hey thanks for coming <laughs> i just thought it was really effective short sweet effective yeah and by the way and with like, with that many people that's what you need yeah absolutely and I, and I think that's also a strength like uh mabel six feet under i think they moved their crowd very quickly it's like there's a couple of those events that, that definitely got it. Like just keep the people moving fast as, through as fast as possible. Um, the other thing I liked uh, about this one, Mike, was it, it actually says like the, the beginning, the little video intro inside that one was take a look around. Do you like what you see? And dude, I liked what I saw. Oh, yeah. That room was freaking beautiful. It, it was sort of this... Um, makeshift experimental mad scientist lab kind of vibe but all homemade Mm -hmm. like sort of like this this isn't science this is somebody's basement and i I just i really like the set design on that one i thought it was beautiful yeah i agree another one i did that day was mac mutation analysis center and this was in the back um, by cold storage, which cold storage we had done a few years ago at Scarlet, which is awesome. But yeah, it's I really, really fun. I didn't get a chance to do that this year. Oh, the line was so, yeah. was so long. I actually walked by and asked and I was told the front of the line line at one point was 40 minutes for that. Holy. 
Wow. That's like, because I had done it before. Yeah. That's Midsummer Screams version of the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. (laughs) Uh, Pop culture references. Yay. Uh, Um, Okay. But yeah, so we, so I did Mac and this is another one with no actors, but everything was done based on triggers. So there were scares and it was, it was really cool. Like, I really like this one. Wait, there were no actors when you went through? There, well, not, there was one hiding that did something, Yes, but it wasn't out to do like a jump scare. It it was a jump scare, but it wasn't the person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There, there were a couple of, uh, a lot of it was trigger based, uh, just automated by how you were walking through. But I noticed a couple of things that I think were human triggered as well. Um, I loved this environment. Yeah. It was so fun. It's, you know, it's one of the things um, that about this, you know, everything else was going, almost everything else here was going for the uh, very realistic, creepy atmosphere vibe. Uh, The Mutation Analysis Center was neon, in-your-face colors, Mm -hmm. really bright, really hyper-lit. Well, that's what what I, I wanted to mention is that it had that very old school, like, feel because there was like you were saying all the neon there was a ton of black light stuff there was yeah a ton of like just traditional stationary props where you know like with like a skull with water coming out in, into a um a oh, barrel yeah. you know like just little things like that that as we move like so into such technology based and advanced technology type of haunts things like this are being left by the wayside in exchange for like higher tech things. So it's cool to see stuff from when I was growing up still. Oh yeah. Which I think is, you know, like, yeah, that was definitely the appeal of this. And also it reminded me of the, you know, the post-apocalyptic movies I used to watch late at night on television. Yeah. You know, where the, the, the slime was always neon Neon green. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I don't know why radioactive slime is always neon green, but it is. Because radioactivity makes things glow. Oh, apparently. Neon green. Hello, Toxic Avenger. Uh, Yes. Uh, So, yeah. So I I had a blast at that. I just said, and also that was another one which I have to compliment them on how fast they were moving people through that. Definitely. Yeah. That line really, really moved. So, um, and then uh, on the opposite end of the Hall of Shadows, after that, I was able to actually get into the Opichi Haunts Apparition Adventure Terror Twins. Which, did you have a chance to do this? I didn't, Their line, I know, was intimidating. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> so, but it just it just hit me, like, I just walked by at the exact right time. And uh, this is the one that when we did the interview with David Markland and Rick West about Midsummer Scream a couple podcasts ago, this was one of the haunts Rick pointed to of, this is an up-and-coming haunt to watch really young the one of the main designers and creators behind this is uh, i believe 14 years old and i actually met his mom <laughs> so she was very nice and the the thing that struck me about this mike is it's really ambitious and the basic plot which you walked into one room to set up the plot and you looked at a video screen and there was um a feed coming into the video screen and supposedly it was a live video feed from elsewhere on the location where you were at this house that you had entered. So, and what it is, is it's a paranormal investigation. And in one of the security cameras, you see two twins appear, hence the name terror twins. So, and they walk across the screen. So you know that the the twins have been sighted and the person on the video screen says, Oh, we're picking up some activity. 
And basically, he gives you the classic horror movie moment of, don't go into the graveyard. And then a door opens and you step into the graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, like, I love stuff like that. It was so fun. Uh, even in that room, there were a couple of nice, effective jump scares, which I don't want to give away in case he duplicates that for the home haunt. But but even in that, like, as he's setting up the video camera, the video feed and everything, that was really nice to have a couple of jump scares, right? When you weren't expecting it. You thought it was just the setup. And then you walked into a really nice cemetery set. And here's the thing, which, again, I don't want to say too much about this, about the specifics, but you walked into a large open area. So rather than doing specific jump scares, like almost all the other mini haunts that we've talked about, what they did is they did sort of a presence scare where multiple characters were interacting with the entire group simultaneously. Ooh. So you were being approached from all sides. So matter where, so no matter where you were in the group of patrons, there was a character coming for you. And I thought that was a really nice, nice effect. Uh, it was, it was a nice difference from all of the other things that we'd experienced in the Hall of Shadows. I thought that was a very different approach, and I thought it worked very well. So again, very short. Definitely looking forward to this home haunt. Absolutely. I think that wraps it up. Does that cover everything we've done in the Hall of Shadows? Yeah, I mean that's. Every, everything we, we, we didn't did. make it to everything and i'm yeah. sorry that we didn't but uh we did it based on lines and time available yeah and one thing that we need to mention is the entryway that was done by cal Hans. oh yeah because holy crap it was so beautiful was beautiful um and you know that sets you up for like a perfect environment and i hope i hope that everybody that went to the hall of shadows took a couple minutes and just looked because that put you in that mindset to just it's like okay and and like you know how like like memories are like you associate things with memories and and feelings walking in there and like looking at the tombstones i got colder <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome you know it was like oh this is october yeah. it's coming <laughs> yeah the um the entryway featured huge huge uh, columns which had skulls embedded in them and vines overhead the hall of shadows sign was an actual you know hand welded created sign with a spider in the middle of the main logo and we need to give a shout out to uh tim fowler yes he's the one that welded that and created that and uh tim is one of those people it's like you know oh he's a facebook friend but now we actually met and you know that's what <laughs> that's what Midsummer Scream and all and conventions are great for because you get to meet Facebook friends and make them real friends and you know like if we never met him we would have never known he welded that so it's like holy crap man like I like I need to go to his haunt now because if he can do that yeah. like what else can he do and yeah. what like how can he scare me like, and then you walked in and to the right inside the Hall of Shadows was this whole environment of you know, creepy stuff and fog and there was a moon hanging in the distance that, you know, it just, it was the perfect Halloween. It's like the best yard display ever. Yeah. And it was so, and I, the entire weekend people were standing there taking pictures of it. It was quite enchanting. Cal Hans did an amazing job with that entryway. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. now what? <laughs> My mind is blank. <laughs> like all I remember are the haunts right now, because because mm. I think after that I spent a lot of time just trying to walk the show floor and seeing what was there. 
Yeah, I think you went to the floor, and I, I and I went up and started to try to take in a couple of shows. What'd you see? The first show of Midsummer Scream for me this year was Fallen Saints Dio de los Muertos. And I hope I pronounced that fairly correctly. Uh, this was from Force of Nature Productions. Uh, this was a sort of hint, preview, uh, glimpse into a show, a full-length show that they're going to be doing later in the fall season. And it is, obviously, you can probably tell by the name, uh, Day of the Dead related. And this was, for me, it, it, it's interesting because... Um, you know, I mentioned uh, Sebastian Munez of Force of Nature Productions here in the past. Uh, I've gone to his um, uh, several of his different productions. Uh, he also did a, a Fallen Saints haunt that you and I went to, Mike, last year that we really liked, where you actually attended a seance. Yeah. Um, so the, it looks like they're going in a more theatrical environment this year with this Day of the Dead production. Yeah, and as you're talking, it, my mind is my memory is coming back because we did this together. Yeah, I thought we you did, were there. We did these shows together. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I went and did shows too. Yeah, um, <laughs> and but it's funny you you just mentioned mentioned Sebastian and I joked with him after the show when I saw him because Dia de los Muertos is you know a very Latino uh, oriented mm-hmm. thing and I told him like I'm like dude even as a white guy, I loved this. Like it was awesome. No. And that's not even meant to be racist because it's not, it's not our culture, you know, like it's, it's a very specific thing, but this was so, so well done. It was beautiful. Like it was an actual, like, like theatrical thing, you know, like, and that's, and it's, it's not what I was expecting. And I'm, you know, like, cause I was expecting something more like last year and, like more like scary and stuff. And there were scary parts, don't get me wrong, but this was more beautiful than scary to me. Yeah, I think it was more beautiful than scary as well. However, the creep factor was off the charts. Yeah. <laughs> um, the show, for uh, those of you who missed it at Midsummer Scream, you actually began... It, uh, wow, how do I describe it? You surround the performers and you get the impression that this is a ceremony of some kind, a religious ceremony, and then it quickly becomes apparent that it's actually a funeral. Except the odd thing is, is rather than being, uh, rather than wanting to send this person off with grace, the person delivering the, the eulogy, I guess would be the correct word, obviously has issues with the person who has passed away. Yeah. And feels that they have not earned a place in heaven. And he makes it very clear to all of us who are standing there, who are witnessing the ceremony. And what ends up developing is you start to get a flashback feel of why this person wound up where they are and what they did to make some people hate them so much. And I think that's the fascinating part of the show. And that's what provided the creepiness to me is the fact that you did meet a young woman who couldn't remember parts of her own past. So as the story starts to unfold, you realize that something really negative and really bad happened. And then there's a wonderful moment in this show that, uh, you know, it, it's it's always kind of a thrill, Mike, to me when you are, when you witness a like, oh my God moment. And there's a surprise in this show. And there was one woman in our audience who was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and like, 
I love those moments. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Me too. And it was a great one. It was really well done. And it took the entire audience by surprise. And it was also completely an emotional moment. Mm-hmm. Not only was it a good, effective scare, but it was also completely emotional. And it sets up the ending of this intro, which I think the rest of the story will explore what happens now that you know that this woman did do something bad in her lifetime is there atonement to be had? Is there forgiveness to be had? And if so, where will it come from? Or will it work backwards and we'll get to see all the evil things she's done? That's possible too. So, but I walked out of this, Mike, and, and it's funny because I actually talked to Sebastian, um, you know, who is behind Force of Nature Productions and behind this production. And I told him, I said, it's funny. I walked out and I was between two people. The person on my right loved this. The person on my left hated this yeah and i think it's just i i just think it's one of those types of shows that either you're on board or you're not and i am completely on board with this i thought the the makeup design because they all had the day of the dead sort of style um very flowery very ornate makeup designs uh each character's story that you were briefly introduced to was fascinating there was love, there was betrayal, there was someone who just wanted to serve the community, and for some reason, which we didn't really learn why, that chance was taken from them. So all of that, you know, to me, that's like high drama. I'm in. I want to know more. And I absolutely, I loved the style of this show. With uh, There was live music throughout the show. The live music at times actually became a character. They actually used the music as part of an argument, which I thought was fascinating. Like, this was really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the music. And one of the things that I loved about last year's Fallen Saints was the there was a character that played the violin yes that was so creepy by the way um <laughs> it wasn't a creepy person this year but the fact that they have lot li- like people playing a violin and a guitar and you know it adds another element to the show that make that takes it to another level like s- watching this didn't seem like this was put together for a convention like no, this not was at all this was like why like why is this here like in a good way you know, like this could be its own show. Yeah, absolutely. And it looks like it will be later this fall from Force of Nature Productions. Oh, jeez. <laughs> How's that for a segue? Yeah. Uh, no, one thing I want to, I, you just, I, I digress there for a second, but the way you address the music, the thing that I, I really liked about this is it's, it's, it's I just want to clarify that what you mean is not, it's music that accompanied the show. This is imperative to the story. Yeah. The music is actually part of this world, part of this story. And that was so effective. So I really enjoyed this. I am so looking forward to seeing a bigger version of this later this year. That's what she said. <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, Sebastian. I didn't mean to take that away from you. <laughs> but yes, this is going to be a great show. And I can't, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um, so... A couple doors down from that, we went to see another show. Yes. And we got to see Urban Death put on by the amazing people of Zombie Joe's Underground Theater. Yes. And it's everything you would expect from an Urban Death show. (laughs) And it was awesome. Yeah. Very shocking. Um, Definitely original material that was designed definitely for Midsummer Mm Screen, the convention. Um, uh, they kind of revisited a couple of familiar pieces, including one of yep. my all-time <laughs> favorites. The Axe. Yes. Yep. 
Yeah, I like how they updated that. Yeah, it's like I, um, yeah. <laughs> all, all I can say is for those who have not seen this particular Zombie Joe show, uh, it, uh, the Zombie Joe show, it's a series of horror vignettes, very brief scenes that expose you to very horrific imagery or ideas and and then lets you use your imagination to figure out what happens next. Yeah. And yeah, the one of my all-time favorite scenes involves um a man coming to terms with the weapon that he's holding in his hand. So, and also the the opera singer mm-hmm. is another one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, cuz it's so creepy. Yeah, it's a very creepy opera singer who who is overcome by something. Yeah. And if so. you've, if you've listened to this podcast, you, you've heard us mention urban death quite a few times. Cause I think it happens a few times a year. Uh, the next time it'll happen is I'm guessing October at this point for the tour of terror where they have a little, um, maze beforehand and then you go into the show. Um, but Russell, you know how you always talk about my giddy, goofy, creepy smile. Yes. When I get super excited, I usually don't call it creepy. But... Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, and you also know that I am into a lot of weird, like movies and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like August underground and, yes. and you know, that's the kind of stuff it's like, Oh, this is awesome. So <laughs> there was a scene, uh, in urban death where I had that goofy smile and can you picture which scene it was off the top of your head? And there's a, there's more to the story. That's why I'm uh, starting yeah. out. This. <laughs> I hope it's not the one that immediately popped into my head. It probably is. Really? I don't know. What is it? Have to, is it what? All right. So I'm making hand gestures to Mike, and apparently I did guess the correct scene. <laughs> and you didn't want that to be the one you, that <laughs> no. <laughs> so okay. So that scene. <laughs> and for those of you that saw the show, it involves someone upside down in a prop. That's all I'm gonna say. And if you saw the show, you know exactly what scene it is. So when that was happening, I had that stupid smile, like huge smile. Like I think I was like almost like giddy with laughter when that was happening. And I was sitting front and center on the floor. Mm -hmm. So it was happening right in front of me. And while I was watching, Elif, one of the characters in that scene, made eye contact with me saw my smile oh, wow. and her smile just got huge <laughs> and it was the best <laughs> moment ever because like i feel like she's as like messed up as me when it comes to like sick and twisted type of things so the fact that she acknowledged me being acknowledging her being messed up uh, it was how awesome. disturbing that sequence was yeah. yeah okay it was so good yeah <laughs> all right i'm i, I <laughs> more power to you <laughs> No, there was there were several several things. Um, uh, uh, later on in the convention, I heard people talking about the Zombie Joe show about whether they were doing a few things just for shock value. And to be totally honest, I don't think doing something just for shock value is always a bad thing. I mean, right. sometimes it just it, it like wakes an audience up or something, mm-hmm. cleanses the palate. Yeah, and and somebody mentioned the and I'm going to borrow someone else's like uh, I said, how would you reference that scene? And they would say, I would call it the happy Halloween scene rather than the happy ending scene. Oh, Oh, (laughs) Oh, what's up, Matthew. (laughs) And, uh, it was just because I, I thought that was a scene that was just like, 
wow. I just like, I cannot believe I just witnessed this. So zombie Joe, uh, thank you for taking us to dark, dark, sinister places and making us laugh. Uh, it was definitely some very enjoyable stuff in that show. Um, and, and congratulations to the entire cast. And again, thank you to the entire cast of zombie Joe's underground for being daring and brave and for having a really wicked sense of humor, because I think that is one of the things that came through at that convention show. There was a lot of really, really funny wink, wink, nudge, nudge sort of moments. One of my favorites is a new piece I'd never seen before involving three horror characters and a fan getting to interact with the horror characters and not in the way that he would like to. Right. I thought that was a wonderful piece too. So, uh, and also <laughs> I comment on the selfie culture as well. So, uh, yeah. So I thought zombie Joe's was well worth catching. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, uh, I cannot, you, know, you can't wait to see what happens with this year's tour of terror during the haunt season here in Los Angeles. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, if this is what they're showing at a convention to just anybody who wants to go <laughs> see the show for free, 18 and over by the way. Yeah. But what are they going to do when it's like actual people that are fans and know what to expect like this can get so much worse and every time by the way every time i see a new zombie joe show like especially the scene i was just talking about i always give him crap because he thought my ideas were too extreme or too out there and then i see stuff like that and it's like what are you talking about like those are nothing compared to this yeah i have to up my my ante now <laughs> keep pitching ideas so all right. Uh, so show wise, um, that like there were there were other things going on. I think that was all I did on Saturday. Show wise, I did do a little uh, interactive, immersive experience stuff on Saturday, which I don't know if you did any of that on Saturday. And also, I did a couple of uh, panel stuff on Saturday. So where do we go next? Well, I mean, right after Zombie Joe's, we were able to try out sixty outs mini escape room which was cool because we did that last year as well. Um, which, by the way, I should say, last year, we loved the game. We thought it was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. they And, you know, I was just talking a bit about technology before with Haunts. And, yeah. you know, escape rooms are going in that same route. But when you go towards technology, a lot of times there's issues. And unfortunately, during our game, there were a couple issues. Um, I think we were the second team of the day. Yeah, I think so. So it was really early on. Um, so... They what from what we saw, it was really really cool. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, there were a couple issues that, and they they were working them out through the weekend. And I guess it got it got better towards the end. But they will be at Scare LA next weekend. Um, so if you hear this and you want to check them out, uh, go give it a shot because it really did look cool. Especially, I don't want to give too much away, but especially if you have like a sci-fi side to you, mm -hmm. really appreciate the guys being game and letting us try it. Uh, but yeah, definitely some technical issues. Hopefully they'll have that worked out by Scarelay because it looks like a potentially really fun game. So after 60 out, what did you go do? There were a couple things. Um, I wanted to try alone if I could figure it out fairly quickly. <laughs> you are making the weirdest hand gestures right now. You're like trying to fly. Oh, because or... I was thinking about part of alone. Uh, <laughs> now does it make sense? <laughs> Um, but what I decided to do was I went and I, the order of Beleth, which Mike, you have done a little bit of, uh, stuff with the order of Beleth storyline. Yes. And I went to a recent meditation in a park where I was left with an audio file saying that Beleth's blessing, uh, was going to shine down on me. 
and which I also left with an audio file. Yes, you did. Much creepier than mine. Yeah. <laughs> so they were. They had a presence at Midsummer Scream. I checked in at their table. And I got sort of like a five-minute intro. And I think this, uh, I just want to compliment the order of Beleth on something. We've talked about ARGs on this show and how there's so many going on right now. I learned about one this weekend that I had never heard of before. <laughs> like literally someone said, oh, I'm going to like spend the rest of the day like outside the convention center. There's all this going on. I'm like, what are you oh, talking about? Oh, for Project Igo? I had never heard of that. So yeah, and there was this whole ARG that I was completely unaware of. And um, Beleth did this really smart thing. They came to Midsummer Scream and they offered a couple of small sequences that were the like the perfect intro mm-hmm. to onboard people to what the storyline is. And even if you if you haven't gotten anything before this, this was an entry point. I think this was really, really smart of them. I totally agree. Because if you know nothing and you just go and wonder what this is, you know really quickly that it's part scavenger hunt and it's part ARG and it's part story and it's you know there's a whole bunch of other things happening and it was it was really good and you know for someone like like us like who haven't really been following along this was really cool to do because you got to see like what's been happening so far right and like what it's all been leading up to and partially I'm in a situation where you know I live far away from where most of the bleth things have been taking place it's just it's a location thing. It's it's usually there in an area of, usually it's an hour drive or something to get to whatever you know. Um, so that's one of the reasons I'm a little farther removed from this. Although I like the storyline a lot. The idea that Beleth is this thing which there are people trying to have returned to our plane, and nobody knows whether it's good or evil or it has disciples. It is an old presence that was here before. Well, here's the thing at midsummer scream they did a great job of like you you got like a five minute intro and then you got marked with uh some makeup so people around the convention would know that you were participating in this and also here was the other thing you were given the you were given an instruction you could have been given one of two or three different instructions one of them was to go find a woman with a red umbrella another one was to go find a man with a black umbrella there was also another character who was wandering around and if he noticed your markings he may give you a piece of information all of that was going on and all of it was a little basic intro into the storyline so the when i got to the woman with the red umbrella that scene was so heartfelt and it was such a great little just is the word primer 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 i'm not i've never sure how you pronounce that <laughs> it was just a little like okay here's the story and it introduced the idea that at one point beleth was here and she had disciples who gave everything for her mm-hmm. except now that they've gone they have apparently and I'm, I'm, I am like paraphrasing the hell out of this. The disciples are needed to bring Beleth back, but unfortunately, they have been so out of touch with humanity in so long, they have lost their humanity. So they're not all there, let's say. <laughs> and that will come into play in a little bit. So, but she said, we needed to do something to help figure out the fact that they have sensed that one of Beleth's disciples was here and it hadn't fed and it needed to feed. Well, that doesn't sound good, Mike. No, not at all. So, and I immediately thought it was like, uh, at some point, 
<laughs> like somebody's going to get eaten. Um, it was explained to us by this woman who uh, led us over to a corner and, and, and just like kind of explained, like, this is a situation. It's like, so we're at this convention. We have this disciple running around who is out of control, apparently. We need to somehow contain it, but we need help doing that. So she put us on a little mission to go find some place. Uh, and at that point, we were, if you followed all of the clues, you could have found a potential phone number to call to receive further instructions, to receive perhaps a blessing from Beleth. After doing all of that, you got to a situation where you had to pick something else up from someone on the vendor floor. And what you got was you got this page of writing that you could not understand Which or read. Which was beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's, it's so absolutely cool. beautiful. And on one side, it has uh, it, it's complete text. And on the other side, there is sort of, it's like a print of what looks like a wood engraving. Of If that's Beleth, I am a little intimidated by her mic, to be totally honest. <laughs> I'm not going to make the joke. <laughs> so... And then you went and you found another person and that person, and this is what I wanted to get to because, uh, Mike, you went through all these steps as well, right? Yes. And I'm trying to like tell the basic story, but not go into all of the details because it just would take too much time. So you, so you're running around the vendor floor, you're running around the convention looking for these umbrellas for, um, these people who can give you pieces of information. And finally, when I approached uh, the one person with the page, they got all excited and went, you have it. And they recruited me. And they said, well, you know, there's the disciple and we have to take care of the situation because it's out of control and it's not good. So he leads me to a kind of hidden area on the convention floor. And it's literally under a staircase, basically. <laughs> so... Uh, and it's been blacked off, and he leads me into this little area, and it's lit by candlelight, and there's a circle in the center of the carpet, and they explain that this is an entrapment circle, and it is made of salt, and we have to trap the disciple, who, as I mentioned earlier, is no longer truly human, and the way we have to do this is we have to get him inside the circle, and then... Uh, we have to do this thing where I'm going to read this incantation and I need your energy here, Russell. And it was like, and, and of course, during all of this, I'm going, how do we trap this demon? <laughs> like, wait, we're, let's go, go back to the part where we're trapping the demon. <laughs> and finally he goes back to, so we have to lead the disciple here. I was like, yeah, how do we do that? And he kind of looks at me very sheepishly and goes like, we need someone to be, and in unison we go, bait <laughs> so i was like and he kind of nodded him nodded his head and i was like uh, uh okay i thought that's where this was going and he said okay and he led me out and he said this is how we do this it's like we have a small amount of sacrificial blood that if you don't mind i'm going to place on you and the demon the disciple pardon me not demon the disciple will smell this blood and will come for you and you 
must lead him back to this. And you, and he literally gives me the instruction. He's like, you must jump. Do not disturb the lines of the circle. The entrapment circle must stay intact. So you have to jump over the circle to get him, lure him into the circle. So there's all this horror movie stuff that I was like absolutely digging completely. So uh, he paints my forehead with sacrificial blood. And I walk out on the show floor and I just sort of look around. And I had seen one odd character earlier in the day just one (laughs) okay (laughs) what happened was i like he must have been 30 feet away from me and he turned around and he is wearing a black hoodie and he had been described to me um by uh roy i'm I'm sorry i don't think i ever mentioned his name roy was the person who was talking to me about the incantation etc and he'd been described to me, and this guy, the you saw the veins in his flesh, and it was a wonderful makeup job, by the way, just to say. Um, and the 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 demonish eyes locked on me, and so he froze. I froze. I slowly turn, <laughs> <laughs> like with my head over my shoulder. And I start moving, and as soon as I start to move, he takes off running toward me, and I literally just (laughs) take off running through the convention center, and I run, and I duck down the hallway, and I did this whole thing where I, because you had to make a U-turn to get into the area, I literally hit the wall and pushed myself off of it, flying through the black plastic, he's right behind me, I jump over the entrapment circle and like the disciple lands inside the entrapment circle. Roy starts with the incantation. I'm hovering with my hands, like giving him my best energy, (laughs) whatever that means. I have no idea. So, um, and the incantation, and then I have to join in and I have to repeat the incantation with him. And, and eventually like he gets like the, the kind of the disciple like collapses for the most part. And I have this conversation, and I I I ask, I so said, like, like, what are you gonna do? It's like, can you get him back in touch with his humanity? And I got to admit, I think he was a little cagey with his answer, you know, because I said, do you need my help? Like, do you need humanity? Like, do you what do you need here? And he's like, no, you you should leave. You don't need to be here for this part. It's like, this is the end of the show, Russell. <laughs> Just stop asking questions. No, I wasn't trying to do that. But, you know, but it was just like, it was, I just wanted to see, like, if there was an answer to that question of, like, what happens next to the disciple? Because they could have killed the disciple for all I know. I know, you know, I don't know what their intention was. Maybe they did. I don't know. So, Um, so it sounds like you did a good job at what you're supposed to do. I I think I did. I lured him. Yeah. So you, he chased me. I ran full blast through the convention center looking like a goofy guy. Yeah. So, I mean, you're like a master baiter. Oh, oh, (laughs) I've been waiting, just waiting to say that. I'm sorry. I may need a moment. (laughs) Oh man. This is life with Mike, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so, yes, yes, I did my job well. Would, so so and, would you say you're a masturbator? <laughs> I will say proudly that I am a masturbator. <laughs> Morgan, you know what to do. <laughs> All right. Okay. So... So yeah, so I had uh, a very similar experience, except I didn't do the running. So yeah, so everything was there. So I had a group, uh, there was maybe like four people in our group and 
one person got volunteered to go and do what you did. And then when they came running back, we all held hands and everything was the same. So that was the only difference. Oh, that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, so it was, it, I think having it as a group was more realistic. You know, and because actually- Because holding the hands around the salt circle, like, you know, like, because you know, even if they tried to get out, we were there, like- that couldn't they would we wouldn't let them out oh that's interesting you know what i actually think that's probably for the the way the whole scene was written that's actually probably more effective yeah because what i was doing was like i was like cornering i was trying to control one side of the circle while he was controlling the other side and the disciple was actually like grabbing my hands Mm -hmm. and i was and like trying to pull me down and like so but yeah it's like story-wise i think the group thing makes makes definite sense as far as like the way the incantation is presented and all of that and dude i bet you know chanting with the group and all of that that's awesome yeah that's very it was creepy like and it was that was a really cool ending like like i'm glad i followed through with it all yeah because it was cool to see absolutely i agree i I was like that was a fine ending to the whole beleth weekend absolutely so at the end of this mic you and i both received a small little postcard with the lovely blessing of may her light shine down upon you from the order of beleth and a reminder that on Thursday, August 24th, that is Remembrance Day. And there will be tickets sold for that event. So follow the Order of Beleth. You can find them on the various social medias. And uh, there is something coming on Thursday, August 24th. So after you ran for your life and found out you were a masturbator what did you do after that (laughs) i went to a couple of panels i checked into a couple of panels and uh and roamed to the floor uh the one panel that i had mentioned to you mike that i was curious about was they did do a panel about into the black Mm -hmm. which when we did the halloween club spook show earlier this year we talked very briefly to larry bones yeah and it sounded amazing it sounds fascinating and the panel at midsummer scream they began by showing a like seven or eight minute clip from the behind the scenes documentary. They've already stated they're going to release a documentary on the making of this whole process. Inner, pardon me, Into the Black is a haunt event, but there is a VR experience and an actual 25 minute film tied to the actual haunt. So you experience it in sections. And supposedly the haunt is going to be the continuation of the film world. So you actually step into the world right after the film ends. So uh, they showed seven or eight minutes of the behind the scenes documentary. Some really cool body casting, you know, stuff going on in the effects shop. Really interesting. Uh, Larry Bones in an interview situation kind of explained what he was hoping for for the event. And then they actually started to show the film And I actually chose to leave the panel at that moment because I didn't want to see the film this far in advance of the event. Totally. So, and I think a couple of other people joined me at that point too. It was like, well, if this is part of the event, I'd rather wait until the event and see it all tied together. The website is active. I know they have tickets for various time slots available. So that's something I'm going to check out. I'm really curious to see what Into the Black turns into. Oh yeah, me too. I just wanted to, to like preserve some of it. So I chose to leave that panel. After that, I went into the Conjuring Your Own Pepper's Ghost uh, panel, which uh, was an instructor named Randy Powell, who was quite the expert on the Pepper's Ghost illusion. And uh, I talked to you about this, Mike. I was just, uh, you know, I love that illusion just because it's such a simple um, 
you know, it's the best known version is in the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland, you know, where you have an entire ballroom of ghosts dancing. And it's it's an illusion which is created by a reflection on a piece of glass or a piece of plastic that is highly reflective. And this was a panel which basically gave the history of the illusion and then sort of like showed you how to build your own version of it. Many, many years ago, Mike, when I actually was in college, I worked in a haunt for my local police department in the college town I worked in. And they did the classic, which I don't know if you've ever seen. I'm sure you're familiar with what I'm talking about, is the transformation of girl to gorilla. Oh, yeah. You know you know that transformation? Mm-hmm. They actually did that in, a, in, in probably one of the first real haunts that I ever worked in, which is a variation on the Pepper's Ghost Illusion. So it was really interesting for me just hearing the history of all of this. And, you know, it's not that complicated illusion. So it was sort of like an hour of like really fond people who love this illusion nerding out and listening to the guy who was an expert on it. It was really, it was really kind of endearing. And he had a little itty bitty model, which was really funny because he like just literally with a flashlight, you know, he put Mm -hmm. a video camera in front of it. And then with a flashlight, like, okay, if I shine my light here, you can see the ghost. If I shine my light over here, you can see the reflection change. And it was just, the most basic, simple of panels. And it's just basic useful information. Like, if you've never seen this physically, this is how this works. So That's it was really cool. enjoyable for me. That's, I have fond memories of Pepper's Ghost because when I was a little kid, before school, I would always watch Mr. Wizard's World on Nickelodeon. Wow. You might have, I don't know if you might have been too old. At that I am point. aware of the program. <laughs> um, well, he did. <laughs> yes, I'm a little too old. He did a Pepper's Ghost, like... And he showed exactly how it worked. And he, it was funny because he's, he was an older guy at that point and he, he would turn into a skeleton and he had, uh-huh. he had like, you know, invisible string would make the skeleton talk when he was talking. And right. like, the kid that was there was just like, what? <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I'm going to try to find that on YouTube. Actually, if I find it, I'll post a link to it. Uh, I, I would be interested in seeing that. You want, can I blow your mind for a second? Okay. You know, Mike, when I grew up. <laughs> when? <laughs> Nickelodeon didn't exist. That's not really mind blowing, <laughs> but okay. You're like, oh, maybe you're a little too old. It well, was on Nickelodeon. Be- well, why would there be a TV channel when there weren't even TVs? Oh, stop it! Nah. stop it. Okay, All right. Uh, so yeah, that, the that was the panel stuff that I did on Saturday. So hmm. how did you end up uh, your last half of Saturday? Um, I think that's when I walked the show floor, actually. Not mm. when I said I did before, because then we went to shows. Like, it's all blurring together. Like, yeah, I can it barely, absolutely it is. I can barely tell what was I did Saturday and what I did Sunday. But I'm pretty sure I walked the floor and uh, just uh, killed some time until the end to meet up with everyone. Mm-hmm. So, very full Saturday. Mm-hmm. Very and, full Saturday. And even fuller Sunday. Yeah. Because like... you talked about you did Beleth on Saturday. I did that on Sunday. So, that spent like a bunch of my time on Sunday. Right. And actually Sunday I did a couple panels as well. Mm-hmm. So between Beleth and that and alone, which we'll, we'll get to. Yes, absolutely. So actually that's how I kind of started. I had picked up the questionnaire, which started alone. You started alone by finding a questionnaire and I had filled that out the day, the, the night before after the convention. So I knew that at some point early on Sunday, I was going to try to tackle alone. Uh, and so I had like, I was ready. <laughs> fresh minds <laughs> good sleep so yeah so um so yeah so i went uh looking for the alone event which uh had an entryway where you 
if you found the questionnaire, you then had to go find a person um, who was mentioned on the questionnaire, and they would do a quick interview with you. And from there, they led you to someplace else on the convention floor. So, Mike, you yeah. also did this on Sunday, right? I did, because I kind of had the same thing. Like, I'm going to start fresh. I have the whole day ahead of me. I have no time constraints. I'm. This is when I'm going to, like, book out my time and try to find everything. Because if you wanted to participate in something, chances are you have to find a bunch of stuff in order to participate. Right. <laughs> All day long at this convention, people were asking me, like, do you know where the alone people are? <laughs> I was like, have you seen an umbrella? So, yeah, there was lots of ARG stuff going on, and the questions were being asked all over the place. So, um, how was your interview process? It was interesting, um, because he was going through some of my questions and just kind of, like, kind of like verifying so it's like oh so you don't think you have a good memory for this or that or your family this or that that kind of thing and and i would you know say yes or no and and then he took me to a, a more quiet part of the convention which by quiet i meant where there just weren't about a million people standing around yes because uh, there were no quiet parts <laughs> and he had a tape recorder and he asked me to think of a childhood memory. And then when I was ready, he was going to record and I was going to talk about that memory. Um, so I did that. And then he took me and brought me to a place and said, stand here, hold your questionnaire out like this, and someone will come for you. Mm -hmm. Can I ask where the childhood memory was? No. Okay. No. I didn't think you would tell me. <laughs> it, it, it makes it's it's not has nothing to do with anything. It's okay. it's so stupid. No, no, yeah, mine was just kind of like a sentimental one. Yeah, so, and actually, it's one of the earliest I have. Um, yeah, the uh, I think he was surprised at some of my numbers. Mm -hmm. That was that was my react because like I gave myself some very low scores in a couple of places. Yeah, me too. And that's where he compl he commented on. So and then I was basically led through the same process as you. Mm -hmm. No. So I know after last year, uh, like your alone experiences haven't been the greatest at conventions. What do you feel about this one? Well, I, I will say this. Um, my my Midsummer Scream uh, alone experience last year derailed horribly. And I wasn't the only one who had issues with that. Uh, there was a clue that was extremely poorly given to me. Actually, I, I wasn't actually given the clue. So I missed a large portion of the show, et cetera. So, it, like, so, so last year was not a good experience for me. Um, however, Scare LA last year, I thought the alone experience was interesting. I just thought it was very, very long. So my attitude this year was going, it was like, if I have the time, I'm going to tackle alone. And a couple people had told me that one of the things that they really liked about the alone experience this year at Midsummer Scream is that it was relatively short. Mm -hmm. And it didn't take them out of the convention for an hour to an hour and a half. So because the focus for me was the convention. So I thoroughly enjoyed this. Oh, that's so awesome to hear. Well, it, it gets back to the thing that I really like about alone is it's it was a mix of thought-provoking stuff, but I didn't feel like they overloaded you, which was part of my issue with last year. And they reinforced the vocalization. They reinforced the sound with a couple of really interesting physical things going on. 
So I thought this was like this this was the alone that I liked from a few years ago, I felt. Yeah. Even though they're 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 sort of like branding this as a reboot to some degree, I think, you know, judging from their online presence and you know, that seems to be the their like this is this is a new alone moving forward. But th- they took all of the things that I liked and they put it into a fairly very specific and actually one of the things I liked is I think the length of it, the shortness of this made it much more intense. Mm-hmm. Because there were times when this was intense. Well, and and I'm glad you brought that up because what I was thinking about is, you know, comparing it to last year, um, because that's the, that's the last show I, I had done with Alone or with the two convention shows. They were more dreamlike and restful and almost yoga-like. Right. This was, it had aggressiveness, and which, of course, I like, you know. Yeah. But, you know, and like I like more than than softness and i think that's what i like like i like that they were forcing you to like forcing you places and forcing you to do certain things you know a little bit happened last year um like that but it like towards the end at midsummer scream um but i felt like this was like a lot more of that and it was a lot more there's a lot more fear inducing type things um like when as soon as you're greeted like that's it's like whoa what you know and it's like and then when you're what happens after that when and i'm gonna make a, a motion because i'm not gonna say it but like when okay so interpreting your <laughs> hand gestures <laughs> and my interpretive dance <laughs> mike just did interpretive dance for me it was very entertaining uh, it's funny. I didn't even realize that physically that's what was happening. That's what I took from it. I could be totally off, but based on what I felt, that's what I think happened. Here's the thing. I, um, you entered this experience and I immediately became very confused. And I think that, and I just don't think I was, you know, it's funny cause I, I can quite often, you know, recall specifics, but I was so disoriented by the greeting and the next sequence that I felt like physically grabbed and moved and maneuvered, but not quite the same way that you just described. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I did end up in the same position that you're talking about. So it's interesting that you, oh, that is very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it, it was very disorienting right from the beginning, which actually I really did enjoy. And I agree with you. The There was a level of, see, I don't think aggressiveness is the right word. And I don't, it's not aggressiveness. Like, it's not like. Yeah, it's not. Blackout aggressive, but for alone, it's aggressive. Touching. Some physicality to it. And, um, you know, I wondered if if people with claustrophobia would have an issue with this. Um, I, I don't think many would, even though at times you, you know, your vision is blocked, you are, you know, you have things, they, they put things over you at places, which I thought was a fascinating physicality thing. Um, they dropped things on me, which was, I thought, Mm -hmm. utterly fascinating because it created this very weird feeling. And, um... There is a point to all of this. <laughs> While all this is going on, there is sort of a soundscape and a lined light, oh, pardon me, lightscape that is being created around you. And as Mike, you know, you mentioned, there was talk about memory. 
and the questionnaire involved memory. And what exactly is a memory? How accurate is it? How do we influence our own memories as time passes? Those were all the themes that were introduced before we entered this room. And then the audio in this room, you hear people recalling their memories. You, it's like at one point I heard someone saying, I remember this. Mm-hmm. And it was very distorted, but I know I was hearing someone recalling a memory. And there was also a narration which led you to believe that their point might be that there is no such thing as a 100% valid, accurate memory. Right. That we actually make copies of real experiences and turn them into what we need them to be and alter them. And then we'll copy those and alter that until we need it to be what we believe it was. So with that being said, with what happens to you, and I'm sure there's lots of pictures and videos, but of, of, of what happens going around, but does that mean we're not who we are? I think that's part of the point is who we create as ourselves may not be who we think we are. Mm hmm. And this, you know, uh, Mike is alluding to the fact that there are things placed on your body and uh, literally taped into place that represent other people and represent other body parts and represent other things. So if we aren't who we are, if our memories are a copy of a copy of a copy, if we, who we create ourselves to be, may not be who we want to be or who we think we are, That's really interesting food for thought. And the fact that they found a way to physicalize this. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because you were talking about the whole meditation yoga aspect of some of their past shows. I had to consciously tell myself twice when I was laying down, open your eyes, Russell. Because I wanted to close my eyes and concentrate on the soundscape. Mm -hmm. But then I would have missed out on the lights changing. Oh, I had my eyes closed and I didn't miss out on that at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that oh. was... Because I closed my eyes, and then at one point, oh, like, wait, I'm closing my eyes, I, you know, and I opened my eyes again, and even though there's something right in front of my face, I opened my eyes, and, like, there were lights. I was see, I started to see lights, which I did not notice that there were lights on when I had my eyes I closed. was having flashbacks to elements. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting that you went there. No, I was, I was not registering that. I just was like, like, Oh, I need to be present for the changing lights. I need Mm -hmm. to be like, cause that's all part of this. You know, I get random thoughts sometimes. It just me. It makes me laugh thinking like you just said that, like if you ever got abducted by a UFO, like if a UFO came and like, it started like flashing its beams or lights or whatever, Mm -hmm. like, what would be going through your mind? Like, I have a feeling it wouldn't be like, Holy crap, I'm about to get abducted by a UFO. It's like, I need to keep my eyes open so I can see the flashing lights. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that, I'll just leave it at that. And depending on how rapidly they're flashing in my brain, I'm going, boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants. And pants, and boots and pants. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, and then, yeah, I, I just, I thought this was, this I I really enjoyed this. I thought this was good food for thought. I loved the and again, it's not the aggressiveness, the physicality. I'm going to say the word physicality. Okay, that's fair. The physicality of this because it did make you want to be absolutely present to what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And and you know the the weirdness of them placing stuff on you, etc. Like yeah, that was that was fascinating. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> 
And after Alone, we went to escape from an estate, the Cromwell Estate. And this is an escape room that we've seen at various conventions. I think they were at Spook Show. Mm -hmm. um, they're at a bunch of things, but we've never had an opportunity to try the room out, whether because it's been booked up or we just run out of time. But we were finally able to do it. Yes. And it was so much fun. Yeah, this this is, uh, yeah. <laughs> this mini escape room was, I'm not going to say it was the most difficult, but boy, was it fun. Says the guy who afterwards, like, I just don't understand how you did this and how you can see this and had to go back in. No, I said that to you, right? <laughs> yeah. But then you said it to Evan and you went back inside. It's like, I don't see it. No, I saw it at that point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now the guy, and usually I'm good with the visuals. So uh, no, there was a there was a. How do we describe that particular visual? We don't. <laughs> you had to find a pattern, and Mike found it instantaneously, and uh, the two other people in the room did not. <laughs> <laughs> so so I had to go back in at the end. It was like, oh, okay, now yeah, okay, now I see it. So yeah, it made sense to me in the end. Yeah. This is an escape room several of our friends have already done, and I definitely would like to go and check out the full escape room at Cromwell Estate. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, for, for a convention mini escape room, this was really fun. Uh, there was, you know, there was only a few puzzles, but, you know, you can't spend too much time when you're at a convention. But I, th I thought it was like a perfect mix of, oh, yeah. you know, puzzles and and with the space that you're given and it was fairly short which is key yeah. at a convention and even the storyline you know you have to find the the guy's car keys to escape yeah you know? exactly like that was it was fun yeah i really enjoyed this definitely so yeah. thank you evan for letting us play it was great yes and we escaped yes in four minutes and 21 seconds cool so if you played cromwell's mini game and you beat that which i'm sure many people have <laughs> let us know rubber faces in it <laughs> And after Cromwell, we went an aisle over and went to our friends at the Shine On Collective. Mm -hmm. And we did Sweet Dreams. And this was different from the Fringe Show, correct? Yes, this was very radically different from the Fringe okay. Show. Okay, yeah, because I didn't get to do the Fringe Show. So I was, I was excited because I wanted to do it, um, but I'm kind of bummed it's not the same show. But I understand why and everything but the uh, shining collective is uh working on a story this year they're kind of unfolding in several chapters i guess would be the way to put it a story which does involve dreams and people who are trapped in dreams and searching through dreams so they presented um sort of a dream state where you entered and you heard someone inside the dream speaking to you and i thought that was a very really clever simple premise which worked very effectively yeah and it sets up the story for i'm guessing um the, the show in october mm -hmm. and the good thing about this is if you're walking a convention for two days straight and you go into an experience where they're like lay down close your eyes and take a nap that is just awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was like six minutes of absolute pure rest. And yeah. they told you a story along the way. Yeah. It was very nice. It was good. And, and you know, at times the story gets a little emotional and you feel for this character and, you know, something happens to you. And, oh, that's another thing. This is going to sound like I don't mean this to, to, to be funny, but and I could, just because I can't think of a better word, but I don't think I've ever been molested this much 
at a convention. And I don't mean molested as in like the sexual way, but just as in, you know, we talked about Order of Beleth and, you know, the the woman with the red umbrella, she touches you and she mm-hmm. caresses you yeah. in her arms. I mean, caressing, that's the word, not caressed. molested. Yeah. So forget <laughs> everything I said about molested. This is the most I've been caressed. Um, and she does that. And then in Shine On, there is times where you're you're touched and it's... You, you feel the weight of the character's emotions in Shine On and <sighs> I'm... That's horrible. I, I know, but for those of you who did it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I thought that was very effective. Yeah, that and, you know, and just like, you know, when you're reaching out and you yeah. can feel that as well. And it's it's weird. Like, like this is going to make me sound so creepy and I don't mean it to be, but it felt so good, mm-hmm. you know, to have to just like, it's like, oh, someone does care, you know, like even though like these this even though this is happening to every single person that does this experience you felt loved in that moment oh yeah you know and that's that was really cool well i think that's part of shine on collective strengths is they make everything relate to you personally right and you know even in, in this and literally and again compliment them on the fact that this was a six minute experience i believe so and they were doing like four people at a time and throughout the entire both days. So they got a lot of people in and just gave them a little, little glimpse of this story that they're telling. I was like, that's really effective. And it's really nice. I, I enjoyed this little, little moment from them. I thought it was effective. Yeah. I really like this. I'm excited to see where October goes. Yeah, definitely. Cause this doesn't sound like it's going to have a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then from there, um, I think we both went to a panel. Uh, yes. Um, I chose partially because we have talked to them on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jarrett and Jeff, who designed The Nest, actually hosted a panel on designing immersive spaces, where they talked about their process for designing partially just The Nest, but partially because, uh, you know, they have worked for theme park design companies and various other worked with other immersive theater companies, they just talked about the idea of how to design a world and what is affecting that world. How does the story affect the world? How does the world affect the story? And how do the characters move through the world? And they sort of like gave a breakdown of this is our process and this is how we look at this. I thought it was actually, that may have been one of the best panels of the entire weekend for me that De- I saw. Definitely. Um, I We didn't sit next to each other. I sat in the back because I had to get somewhere else. Um, so I left it probably in the, the middle of it. But what I saw was fantastic. And yeah. like, if you did not leave that panel inspired, like something is wrong with you. Yeah. And and the thing that um, about those two guys is they made it completely relatable. Like, mm-hmm. well, this is how we do it. And, and this is this why ha- we look at it this way. And this is how Sleep No More does it. Yeah. You know, it's like something that probably everyone in the room knows if they don't know them. It's like, right. okay, how can we compare it? And it was like, oh, that's genius. Yeah. It's like it, they were organized. They, you know, it, they, they kept the pace moving. It's like they presented their Im- information very simply, very visually. It's like, yeah, this this panel was really, really well done, I felt. I'm really glad I attended this one. Yeah, me too. So then after that, we didn't see each other because I think you went and finally actually explored the, the show floor. That was the first time I had to really check out the vendors. And I, I found a couple of t-shirts that I wanted to buy. So... <laughs> 
Don't show off. <laughs> I'm wearing one right now. Yeah, I just, it was the first chance. And that was one of those times, Mike, when I ran into a couple people who came up and introduced themselves to me about the podcast and ran into some people I hadn't seen in a while. That was the chance uh, I actually saw the Creep LA guys roaming around then, which I hadn't seen before. Uh, so it was my chance for the next like hour and a half to two hours. I actually just roamed the floor looking at all the vendor goods. There was a lot of really cool stuff there this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that like Sunday flew by. Oh, it did. It was nuts. Um, and then we met back up for the last panel of the day for, um, the immersive horror theater panel, which was hosted by, uh, Noah Nelson from no proscenium. And it had, Anna from Shine On, Zombie Joe, uh, Landon from the Overlook Film Festival, and Jonathan from um, Wicked Lit. So it was really, it was really cool to see all of those people on stage, and you know, having like Noah moderate it, and just learning more about each and everything. And also, the thing I liked about the discussion, and the one thing I will say about that panel, I, I think when you get a panel where you get that type of knowledge on stage and that oh, kind of yeah. experience, you want more time. Mm-hmm. An hour is not enough. Yep. And I, I hope Midsummer Scream, because I know they had like an hour and a half panel earlier in the day on Sunday. So I hope they experiment with the idea of having certain panels longer than others. Like, especially, you know, uh, like, you know, we were talking about the immersive, designing an immersive space panel. One hour, I think, was fine for that panel. You know, especially since those guys were so organized and they were on it. Um, this conversation there were so many topics that were brought up and not explored heavily, just touched on. I think another half hour would have been wonderful for this panel. Yeah. And especially I think for next year as well, like if, you know, I know they don't really repeat panels like year after year, but I think the next time, if they ever choose to do an immersive theater or more immersive horror type of panel, it's going to need to be because immersive theater is still in its infancy for the LA crowd. Yeah. And like so many people still don't know. It's like, that's why you see the same, you know, 50 people at every show because it right. hasn't really grown that much yet. Um, so I think by opening the, the, the gates and having people learn more about this, the next time they do this going to be huge. Yeah. I, I, I really think that this is a panel that they should revisit at future conventions. I really do. Mm-hmm. And that ended our day. Our, ended our weekend. Yeah, it was jam-packed. Yeah, and there was still a ton of stuff we didn't get to do. Yes. Like so many panels and shows. And like, for experiences, I think we're good. Like we did pretty much everything um, that we could do. Yeah, experiences and shows. Um, so overall, how do you feel about Midsummer Scream? It was fun. Um, something about it, though, it just it felt different from last year. And I can't place my finger on it because I went back and I looked at all the notes and we did pretty much the same amount of things. Right. And so I don't know, like, I don't know if it's maybe because there weren't as many like escape rooms or there weren't as many experiences. But the thing is, there were just as many, like maybe like one or two without it. I don't know if maybe because the Hall of Shadows was so much bigger, it felt the show floor was smaller, but with more vendors and definitely way more people. But I don't know. It felt it, it felt different. Like, and it's I'm not saying that's a bad thing because that means it's definitely it's not a clone of last year, which is always good. But I don't know something. It just felt weird. Well, I definitely feel like Saturday was so busy, and in the middle of the afternoon, the show floor was so packed. Yeah, so crowded. It was it was troublesome to move around at times. 
Uh, which congratulations on the success, but you know, do you need a bigger space or do you need a different layout? You know, it's like literally, could you fit twelve more booths at the entranceway? Right. You know, and I, but that would crowd the whole makeup area, which is always traditionally at the head of the entrance space of the floor at Midsummer Scream. So you know, it's like so. There's some reconfiguring I think they will do in their growing. When the four of us got together, you and me and, you know, David Markland and Rick West were here and we talked about the convention. You know, they talked about growth and they talked about the, you know, they, they want there to be more than you can all then do. Every, right. You can't do everything. Right. Which is definitely happening. <laughs> that it feels like that. So if they add another day, would that help you? I don't know. You know, or here's the other option. What if they were to, if they could, and I know this becomes a logistic and location problem. But if you could open Friday night the way, you know, Monster Palooza does that, mm-hmm. you know, like their Monster Palooza starts on a Friday night. It's sort of like the, the soft opening. But also when we interviewed them, they said if they added another day, they would add more things for that day. So, Which I don't think they necessarily have to do. Right. They would need to do. But it's not your show. No, it's not. <laughs> I know that. So, but, and, you know, somebody made the comment, were you standing there? And I'm trying to remember who made, who commented this to me. Somebody said that there was something about Sunday that it felt a little less crowded, but just but as more busy. busy. Yeah. Well, the, and the odd thing is, like, apparently Sunday parking was even worse than Saturday for oh, some it was. reason. Like, how, like, how is that possible? I am not sure, but I arrived, uh, I, I had no problem parking on Saturday, and I arrived close to an hour early, I think. Mm-hmm. And they had already closed off sections of the parking lot. Wow. Yeah, so. I think I think that's going to be the, the issue is space for people and cars mm-hmm. um, because I like I don't know like I, I I haven't been to every section of the Long Beach Convention Center so I don't know how big it is like if that show floor is just it but I could even see this growing into where the whole show floor is Hall of Shadows and wow. the, the next floor if there is another floor that could be all vendors you mm-hmm. know what I mean because there's so much opportunity you know like right now it's all home haunts in the hall of shadows. What if universal wants to preview something? What if Knotts wants to preview something, you know, like that could be huge. If they'd have the manpower, the bandwidth, whatever you would want to call it Mm -hmm. to, to possibly accommodate that, it would be really interesting. Yeah. So another thing that I'd like to like put out there is I do believe we just mentioned it. I I think some of the panels should be longer. Mm hmm. But that makes for a longer day. Yeah. You know, it's just so I don't know how you handle that. I don't know how necessarily how you make that decision. Or have less panels and have them be longer no. or something like that. You know, I will say also say this. We did not participate just simply because and it's like they didn't interest me, but I totally understand their appeal. I didn't want to build my own tombstone or my own candle holder, skull candle holder or whatever. That's that's not for me. Mm-hmm. But Oh my God, those people did. You, I don't know if you walked by any oh, of yeah. those classes. God, they looked like they were having fun. Yeah. <laughs> there was like, I did that when they had that at Scarlet. I did that. And yeah. The, the tombstone one, uh, there was one person who was just like going nuts with the carving on their tombstone. They were having such a good time. And I think it was just like that one. And I know this moment, like I am working power tools. Yay. It was just like, it was really fun to watch. Uh, you know, but the fact that they also have that going on and, it like there's so much this is such a rich convention already that you know i don't know what the it'll be interesting to see what it turns into next year yeah so yeah i think it will grow i think it will continue oh it's definitely gonna grow it definitely is because i mean 
it, it like I think I read on a Facebook comment uh, from Johanna saying that it was triple the attendance of last year. Holy crap! So from year one to year two, like tripling. Yeah, this is only going up. Yeah, well, you know, I wish them all the luck in the world. And, you know, I, you know, I love much of what I saw there. I wish I had more time to do more of it. And the another thing that we shouldn't overlook and that something that's been on my mind is like this is I think this is going to become a destination, not only for like the big guys like Knotts and Universal to make announcements, Mm -hmm. but for like indie guys, like smaller guys to make, to know where all of these fans are, this is going to become a destination for them. And I mean, are, how many new things got discovered this weekend? You know, like I saw a poster for something called apartment two, one, three, you know, which is going to be an extreme haunt. It it seems like I, I, somebody told me about that, but I did not see any evidence of it. Like I, I saw a poster and saw a guy handing out postcards so it's like it's like things like that, like the grassroots marketing. That's how you do it, and you do it at places like that because right. they don't have a booth. They don't, you know, they might it might be too early for them to have a booth, but it's like, what's that apartment two one three? And if you're into true crime, you know that's Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment number. Mm-hmm. Like, and you see this poster with the like a crucifix on the guy's head. It's like, oh, this is going to be something I'm into. Most people. You know, the people that go for, like, the Halloween, like, the fun side of Halloween, they're not going to pay, like, any attention to it. But for, like, the haunt fans and extreme haunt fans, they're going to walk by something. It's You're going to register it and realize something. It's like, oh, oh, I should pay attention to this. Right. So, and I think this convention covers all aspects of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. the, the cute side of Halloween was very well represented. And I, yeah, there's I enjoyed a good all of that. Yeah. So I love the fact that they had the kids area. Um, I, I I do want to say just thank you to all of the volunteers at Midsummer Scream for, you know, the job that they do because they're running around constantly directing lines, telling people where things are. Like, you know, thank you to the entire staff and all of the volunteers at Midsummer Scream. Uh, the convention was a blast. Yeah, and I feel like this year the volunteers, at least the ones I've encountered, were way more helpful and personable than before. Oh, interesting. Um, where it's like they go out of their way to talk to you first instead of you, like, excuse me, where do I go? Instead, they would go up to you and be like, oh, you're front of the line? Okay, that's this line. Oh, no, you have to go to that line. You know, they didn't wait to get asked. Right. They made that first move, which is awesome. Yeah, being proactive and helping the crowd crow, crowd flow. That's great. I want to send a huge, huge, huge thank you to Madison and Luke and the whole Crossroads team, uh, as well as Loot Crate for uh, giving us boxes to give away, uh, giving, giving us Loot Crates to give away. We had a, we partnered with Loot Crate and Crossroads because they had a mini escape game, and we gave Loot Crates to winners of that had the fastest time during different times of the day. Basically in the morning and in the afternoon. Right. So from, you know, say like opening until three, whoever had the fastest time got a set of loot crates. And from that point on to closing, got got a loot crate. And uh, I just want to thank Madison and Luke for going along with this crazy idea and for keeping track of the times. And it seemed like everybody was stoked on it. So thank you again. And thank you to Andrea and Loot Crate for um, passing those horror boxes on to us. We hope. We can work together more. It was awesome. So special, special thank you to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Russell, you had mentioned, I had mentioned that we had met some people and I want to give shout outs to those people because they're awesome. Yeah. And thank you to anyone who came up and, 
you know, uh, and including the one person who I don't know who you are that screamed my name across the convention floor and said, wrestle. And I was like, turned around. And I couldn't identify you. And then I heard someone scream my hot life. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I identified the person. And then they walked away. And I was like, uh, yay. <laughs> Thank you to that person. And uh, two of those people, Cameron and O'Reilly. I hope I said your name right. I'm so sorry if I didn't. Um, they're listening to a podcast, so thank you so much. And came up to us and said hello. And it was it was it was cool. Like it's cool meeting people. That, Wait, that and also didn't they sit next to us at Zombie Joe's? Yeah, that's right. They did. <laughs> and then later they walked up to us and like, I think we were sitting next to you at Zombie Joe's, and we listened to the podcast. Yeah, I hope they didn't see my smile during that scene because they did. <laughs> crap. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're super cool, and they almost won at Crossroads. Well, no, they did escape, but they almost won the, the loot crate. So that yeah, they were been very cool. close. Yeah. Um, so thank you again for saying hello. Like it means a ton. I know we say that, but it really does. And yeah, I hope you had fun. Probably see you at Scarlet. Oh no, because they live in like in the IE. I think they said like Riverside yes, they did. and stuff. So maybe we won't see you at Scarlet, but our yeah. paths will cross. Yes. Um, and then. Uh, I mentioned before uh, Tim Fowler was a Facebook friend and he became a real friend. Um, Phil Crane, uh, he was a Twitter friend uh, who was very, very supportive of, of us. And we thank him so much. He's He always likes and retweets our tweets. Um, but he we finally met and that was awesome. And he's involved with a DVD called The Halloween Experience. Um, and uh, he he gave me volume three to check out. Um, so we'll have to check this out, Russell, because... Look at the back. Uh, look, look, uh, look who's yes. look who's featured on yes. that. There's a, a little little known that nobody seems to care about anymore. No, oh, I'm, just, I'm just you're kidding. So cool. Um, called Evil Twin Studios. Yes, and this was the Raymond Hill Mortuary. Yeah. So, which was a few years ago. Uh, Evil Twin, unfortunately, is going to be dark again this year. But uh, Evil Twin is a group I've worked with, uh, helping to create haunts. And um, you know what? Actually. I ran into Phil one night at Zombie Joe's. Oh, really? Uh, like very briefly. Yeah, it's like it's, I was so happy when I when I saw you with this. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I did not see him this weekend though. I wonder if you're on it. So I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. So uh, I was a lot of behind the scenes that year, I think. So although I did perform. Uh, anyway, uh, I have a couple of people that also I'd like to make mention of. Um, you know, running around the floor, a couple of times I got stopped and there was a couple of, um, of, of people named Josiah and Laura, who I kept running into when they were in line and they were in line for zombie Joe's and we stopped and, and, uh, you know, they complimented our podcast and, and I talked to them a while about what they'd seen in the, the show floor and what they were trying to participate in. And, uh, it's just, it, it, it's so wonderful. And it's very funny because as I was, as they were waiting in line, uh, Tom Ricketts, who is someone that we've mm -hmm. like, <laughs> like crossed paths with several times over the past few years, he was waiting in line behind them by several people. And I turned around and, you know, he was like, he was waving at me. I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I haven't seen you in what, two years or something? A year? I don't know. So, um, but, you know, thank you, Josiah and Laura. Thank you for saying hello. And also at the end of the day, I ran into um, Robin and Ryan, who um, I'd run into them a little bit earlier in the day and, and, you know, they had mentioned the podcast and we talked a little bit about haunts. And at the end of the day, the three of us got into a really interesting conversation about um, haunts. And he was asking me a couple of questions about 
content as far as extreme content, shock value content, things like that. We had this really interesting conversation about, you know, shock value haunts that take, uh, how do I put this? Like headline, like ripped from the headline type topics and use them in their haunts. Is that exploitative? Is that, you know, in poor taste? You know, does it affect people? Does it not? Uh, and then we also had a conversation about things like, you know, Freakling Brothers, which uses electricity in the gates of hell, which most people know that if you've done any research on, on the Freakling Brothers and whether, you know, how people feel about that. And so we had, had this really interesting conversation about... Spoiler alert, they feel horrible. Yeah. <laughs> because it yeah, sucks. Yeah, I hate, I hate electricity. <laughs> Jesus, I hate electricity. An interesting conversation about safety and triggers and... You know, they were asking about the psychology of blackout and the psychology of something like the victim experience and like Freakling Brothers Normal Haunts and the 17th Door. And they were asking about all of these things. We, I, I think we were standing there for probably a good 20, 30 minutes almost oh, wow. at the end of the day and just just chatting about haunt. What turns us on? What excites us? What what isn't for us but is okay for other people? Like It was a really interesting conversation. And Robin and Ryan, I really, really thank them for for opening up the door to that conversation. That's awesome. See, conventions, so, like this is what it's all about. Yeah, and it's like and this and like I said, you know, Josiah and Laura who I mentioned like it's funny cuz I literally think of these people in two different places and two like where I ran into them and look I just picture them in those locations. Like we started the conversation in the Zombie Joe's line about stuff like that as well. So, you know, and that's that's part of what I think Mike, we want to share is like what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Go out and explore. Yeah. Look like, for things. Be, and don't don't worry about, you know, what you like or what you don't like. I mean, you know, I was saying how I love that scene and Russell was like, I hope it's not the scene that you're talking about. You know, <laughs> like, like what you like and like, who cares? Be yourself. I mean, I wore a freaking pink shirt on Sunday and everybody was like, you're wearing pink. And it's like, you know what? I don't care because... I like Girls' Generation. I like K-pop, so I'm Wait. wearing it. I don't care if it's a horror convention and I'm supposed to wear black all the time. Like, no, be yourself. Like what you like. Do what you want to do. And just have fun with life, man. It's too short. Did you notice that I didn't ask you that question or make a point about it? Because I saw the front of your shirt and went, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> It's not about you, Russell. I know it's not about me. It's about <laughs> Why you. Why are you trying to make it about yourself? I'm not. It's not about me. It's about it's like, you. Well, I didn't say anything. <laughs> that's not what I was doing. <laughs> you, that's because you're going to edit that part out. So now I'll leave that in. <laughs> so Midsummer Scream until De next year. Definitely a success. Yes, and it's going to be even crazier next year, and I can't wait. Yeah, me too. So. Thank you, Midsummer Scream, You're the whole team behind it for putting it on, and we'll see you in October. Yeah, definitely. Thanks to everyone involved. We really had a great time. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. See ya. Where am I going with this? Yeah. All right. And then <laughs> now what? <laughs> My mind is blank. <laughs>